Hello, 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 everybody. Troy Reeves back here for another episode of Up and Down and All Around. This time we are taking a look at another 90s platformer. Who knew that decade had so many platform games? It's like that decade was the decade of the platformer. You never know. I mean, it's, it just seems that way. But I don't want to know if I want to call it a, like a hidden gem or a forgotten relic. Because it was a successful game and we still do talk about it. But no one really particularly talks about this entry of the series. Um, and we're kind of diving a little bit more into it. Uh, I am very excited uh, to talk about it uh, with my guests here today that I'll introduce in a second here. But I'm just... I'm just excited to talk about this game because it's it is such a relic of its time. And the fact that it is attached to one of the biggest console failures of all time, just even and the fact that it has it gets two more sequels after this. I don't know. Like this game just boggles my mind and even revisiting it just like I'm I'm just I'm going to shut up now before I really get into it here, but I do want to introduce the game that we're talking about today. Um, it's the 3DO, the Sega Saturn, and the Sony PlayStation 1995 Crystal Dynamics Gex. It all started so simply. I had just finished my usual morning routine of nude funger size, fired up a Barca lounger, grabbed a quick bite to eat, and prepared to watch some serious tubes. Little did I know, my snack was sent by Rez. everyone that was the intro for gex the gecko the first gex the gecko here and with me today to talk about this very fascinating game to say the least it's a good friend of mine here give it up for mr chris here how you doing my friend and i'm doing good after watching that video i got a little nostalgia in me that video is <laughs> weird <laughs> It's, it, it, when did they film that inside my house? Like, I, I don't approve, like... Oh, you don't approve any outside. of that? Right? I haven't been outside in months, like, you know, don't, don't be <laughs> judging me on my animatronic flies, like, don't even play. Yeah, I, I have questions about that. And also, like, if you look in the box there, like, is that a copy of, like, the comic Sages or something like that? Like, I was yeah, like... Yeah, like, there is... It, this game, so... This game is just riddled, like absolutely just covered in just pop culture references from the 90s and like late 80s. It, to yeah. the point where it's almost, it's almost like too much. And, <laughs> and so, uh, but this was my life back in the mid 90s and I played this game on the 3DO with my brother. 
who and, actually decided to buy one, God rest his soul. I know, I'm um, about to say, that's the part that blows my mind. It's like, not because of this game that you played, because it, it did pretty well. Like, there is two sequels that came after this. But the fact that you played it on the 3D fucking O. <laughs> yes, it's like, I actually can say I was at... I was there. I saw it. It wasn't a myth, ladies and gentlemen. It, it, the 3DO it, was a console. It happened. It, it had big dreams. However, you know, I, it just couldn't play with the big boys. It tried to, and Gex is their answer. Gex was the 3DO. They really put all their eggs in this basket. They did, because um, I, I, before we talk about Gex a little bit, I do want to talk about the 3DO itself, because I do think it is... It does have an attachment to this game because they did try to make it as the mascot platformer. But um, for people who don't know what the 3DO is, the 3DO was basically a console that was supposed to rival Sega and Nintendo at the time um, in the early to mid 90s. Uh, it came out in 1993, uh, it looks like in October in North America, and then later in 1994 everywhere else. It wasn't attached to uh, electronic arts. But the founder, like, it was his, like, kind of his pet project. So it was associated, but they didn't, like, make it or really were affiliated with it. And they would, like, like do rights of other manufacturers to make their own versions of the 3DO. It, it was a very weird console. And it, it also cost, like, a lot. Like, it came out at $699.99 in 1993, which... I know that sounds like the Sony PlayStation 3 launch, but that's a lot of money back in 1993. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, they're virtually the same thing, right? Well, they both look like grills. They're both massively heavy. They came in boxes that just absolutely we had never seen before. Like, you know, it, it had all the makings, but... You know, if you look, think about that, if, you know, 3DO came out in, like, 94 early, right? Yeah, Gex didn't yeah. freaking hit till 95, so they were actually, they did not have a top-tier platformer or anything for the first year of launch. And, like, we go through and we think about, like, all these console launches. You can go through and go through a lot of them and say who was failed and successful. You know, it makes you wonder just, like, and we'll kind of look at this with the game itself, too. I'll talk about that a little bit as yeah, well. Yeah, of course. You, but, uh just how rushed and how like game design and programming especially for this console man like it was a race to the finish yeah because it had a very interesting development gex here from what i uh kind of researched so it start first of all this game was downed by the newly formed at the time in 1993 crystal dynamics <laughs> which the chris yeah well I was, like what you were gonna say <laughs> I was just saying, Crystal Dynamics is like, I wish I would have, I wish I would have trademarked that name because I just feel like that defines me as a person, as a Crystal Dynamics. Okay? <laughs> I like that. I, I can see that. I can see that. But the thing that blows my mind is like what this, like this uh, studio would eventually do. Because eventually the studio would do The Legend of Cain, uh, the Soul Reaper games. They would do, um, they would do the freaking Tomb Raider reboot games, which are fantastic. And they're helming the new Avengers game that's in development right now. Like, and their start was this fucking green gecko platformer. <laughs> Cause that was just, that was just the thing back then. Like in the nineties, thanks to like Sonic really blowing up, like actually giving Nintendo a run for its money. Like it's always crazy to think about. Cause it is kind of like, 
in a way, we do treat Sonic as a joke, but there was a time where it, like, straight up one game fucking threatened Nintendo's stockhold on the video game market, and everybody just made their own animal edgy platformer. Like, even around this time, I'm pretty sure Crash Bandicoot was even was talked about. I don't think it was out yet, because I think the first Crash Bandicoot came out in 1996, but I definitely know, like, it was in development, like, and of course, uh, Bubsy, we don't talk about it, but it, it happened. And other yeah. other platformers that like there are so many that I can't even remember. Like I don't even remember all of them. But it just so blows my mind. Like it was this was the game that really started Crystal Dynamics. But uh, Gex was created by the concept of Gex was created by this guy named Lyle, uh, Lyle Hall, who began working. This was like yeah, began working on the project after basically founding Crystal Dynamics. He wanted to take advantage of both the graphic pros. Uh, power and cd audio capabilities of the 3do granted why it was a 3do exclusive for a little bit to star a 2d platformer and the coolest character i could come up with is was his motivation for this character and um i don't know if i would say he hit the mark uh he definitely tried but i don't know if it exactly hit but apparently this game went through like a really rough development which kind of it's baggling to me it was it was rushed um there was uh scheduling issues like apparently the game started work in late 93 so okay the game came out in 95 the P- freedio freedio came out in us in late 93 everywhere else in 94 and they had a, de- a development deadline of june 94 for the game Apparently, the game was supposed to only have six worlds of, of the various TV channels, including like a horror world and sci fi world. But apparently, um, t- the time restraint, they had to cut out the world. Because I think there's like what, only five or four in the final game? Yeah, I believe there's five worlds in there. But here's the thing about all that that it just shows you it, like how interesting the development was and the pressure of money and what the 3DO really did to Gex. It kind of you know, the impact of that console is that the they were pushing, like, hey, your deadline, hit it, hit it, hit it. You yeah. have to. Because they, I was, you know, I looked, and after playing, it's in World 2. It's in World 2. There's this level where it's that classic platforming format where it's like you have basically, think of it for Stranger Things, you have, you know, the Upside Down, which looks just like your world, and so you go through these doors. Yeah. And so one's day, one's night, and... It's the same trailer being repeated in the background. Very classic platforming element where you just recycle scenes. Yeah, that was never the case. They were half. They were supposed to have a whole entire story in the background. That's right. They, I, I, yeah, I have read that stuff. And then, like from everything I just read about the development and just the fact, like time constraint and knowing the free do. Oh yeah, like the 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 fact that the free do was bombing pretty hard probably affected this game like significantly yes even to the point that like uh, i forgot i i know um i had the name but i can't pull it up on my end here right now but there was a developer developer that was so upset with like the rust development of the game that he actually put messages in the code of the game for gamers to find and it's basically his all his frustrations with the company and kind of like basically shit talking them and not even to that point he even gave it out the phone number gamers could call to like the head i think of like either electronic arts or uh, even crystal dynamics or i don't know i don't know which one of those 
but like basically to call the complaint of like how rushed this game was. Yeah, that's how bad it is. That's how bad it was because they had to, you know, the the game that we got, if it would have been up to, you know, the higher powers, it would have been terrible. It would have been awful because like the programmers actually had to like, like you said, they basically snuck in to the studio after hours and continued working and actually putting in the secret levels. So every level in Gex, you can find a secret portal. They put that in later. That didn't come in because they were told they couldn't do it. They're like, no, F you, we're going to do it because, like, what the hell? It's a platformer. You have to have these things. They were told no, and they did it anyways. And so, obviously, you can just see that they really didn't give two shits at that point what anyone had to say they were going to do what they could and i you know it's it kind of gives and it kind of it's a kind of weird parallel on like gex as a character you know because gex as a character probably would be agreeing with that too he's very uh snarky he's very witty yeah you know all he does is quote tv shows so (laughs) i mean i can kind of relate but i don't feel like i'm a person who always relates to pop culture and even gex to me is like wow dude kind of take it down a notch (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like every, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you could definitely tell, like, it makes you wonder, like, Gex as a whole. Like, obviously, the idea is so cool. Like, having a pop culture savvy, voiced by Dana Gould, a Simpsons vet. Yeah, like, like yeah, Simpsons writer, like, voice yeah, actor. Like, yeah. A, like- a, a good Simpsons vet. It's like, okay, first of all, that's, that's, that's awesome. Like, voice acting in games, like, getting even that caliber now in some of these kind of games is not easy. And so... It's definitely more respected now than it was back in the midnight. Because I'm pretty sure why they probably got Dana Gould is because they probably had like some money, and they thought it'd be kind of fun, like cool to have a comedian. And yeah. it's probably not that expensive to get a comedian to voice a game. So they no, did- not then. Yeah. yeah, for sure. He was like, "Hey, listen, man, I got some cash in my pocket." Some other yeah. stuff. Come over here. It, it's voice just like a, a for it. yeah. It's just like the story is like you know what I did today. I voiced for a game for an effing gecko, but it's just I don't know. It's the development of this game is like very and also like the original concept was like he was supposed to be a stunt performer, like and like the yeah. Whole- his story is very odd. You're absolutely right. Like it makes no sense. Like the like, whole development of this game is fascinating to me. Like started being this badass and they literally turned him into being nothing more than a couch potato riding off of his uncle's fortune and completely which they barely touch upon this game they barely touch upon it on the first game i don't even think they even go into that lore until the second or third game yeah you find out more in the first game about the lore by watching that opening video than you do playing the whole damn game that it's exactly it shows that photo of his yeah it's like oh my god there's so much in that video it's like if if you watch it you're like oh wow they address that in game three (laughs) yeah like yeah like the the family picture like he like you see all the family and then but he's alone and they do mention that like it's it's so it's so weird to me and like all we talk about and especially like uh, crystal dynamics had three other games in development for no two other games for the 3do in development around this time so I'm pretty sure that takes away the asset because a lot of companies, especially back then, would just take people from other projects to help, like, just put on more on the workload. Like, yeah, it, it, yeah no, exactly. Platformers, I feel like a platformer is very 
uh, competitive, like especially in the nineties. Like, cause you were, remember you were saying earlier, and we talked about this before that like platformers, they ran the world in nineties. Oh yeah. They but, were basically the call of duties of the, like the nineties, yes. like the, the platforming game was so, the first person shooters. Like you, if you wanted to sell a console, you made a co- uh, a platform, uh, a character platformer. I mean, and what were they going against at this time? It was Super Mario World, right? So Super Mario World already came out in ninety one. The big game, the big Mario game, World came out in ninety one. The big game that probably was rivaling it and actually has a lot of influence. I feel like it's probably the Donkey Kong Country games because in ninety five, when the game finally came out, um, or right, it was ninety five. It was a uh, yeah, April of ninety five. Donkey Kong Country 1 came out probably a few months earlier in 94. And then later that year, you had the even better Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy's Conquest. So to me, that was... And then probably, like, of course, the Bubsy probably was around at that point. I mean, I don't want to talk about that timeline. Um, and but it was there. <laughs> it, it has to be there. Like, I know, it, like, at least the first or second game is coming out. And then there's other, like, the other, uh, like character platformer game that i can't remember because there were so so many like there was that bat acrobats bat um platformer and it was just i don't know it was just a very weird time but not the fact that like the development of this game like everything about the development of this game this game should have not succeeded this game should have been a game that destroyed the company that one of the shut it down should have not sold well like this is like one of those games that i hear at like a i don't know if you're aware of the youtube series of what happened where it talks about like the big failures of gaming and just how like at the end of it like the studio shuts down or like it doesn't end what well for anybody this is what it sounds like to me just reading this development but some fucking how this game was able to pull it off like in like just in the 3DO version alone, granted they can't, they don't have certain numbers, but this game sold over a million copies, which is still pretty good for any system. But this sold a million copies to a system that sold two million co- like two million co- like uh, units in its entire life. So over fifty percent of the like of the user base got this game which is blows my mind (laughs) yeah and like you said like when you think about those numbers it's that is such a it just kind of again it tells you it's just like you know people who's you know we're trying to ride that wave like trying to ride that first wave of video game like you know renaissance you know especially in the 90s and like panasonic just went all full dangle in Put all their eggs in that ba- gex basket, and it just shows because I mean, they so if like you said, uh, selling over one million copies for one game, and then selling your console only two million, it's like so you're telling me that like only one game is responsible for over fifty percent of your console profit. I mean, there uh, apparently in the last like couple months when the three DO was still like on the market before it got discontinued, they actually packled packle pa- pack it in as a packing game. So I think some of those numbers probably came from that. But still, like that's something. And I mean, I unfortunately I couldn't find the Sega Saturn or PS One uh, numbers, but I'm pretty sure it, it did well enough that I mean, there's two other games in this series. Um, so the fact that this game succeeded is kind of a miracle of God. Um, and it's just kind of proved like just, I, I, and, and I think we're, we're going to repeat this term a lot, 
it was a game of its time. This is a character of his time. This character to me only could have fried in the nineties. Oh yeah. No, if he would have came out in the two thousands, you know, 2010s or now, like he would not have been taken. Well, he did not age. Well, he did not. I think that's why, again, like I, I don't want to get it too much. Cause I do eventually want to talk about the other two games in the series, but I do think that's a reason why they just stopped. Like, cause I think the third game sold the best in the series. Like I think it kept on selling better than each unit each game it's just i think they just saw the writing on the wall and also crystal dynamics at that point because they were still because gex was the believe it or not at one point the studio that brought you the 2013 reboot of tomb raider their mat the mascot the face of their company was this fucking gecko and i remember i remember because if i'm not mistaken like if you look on any of the boxes, like I remember, because I would always go to Best Buy and I would check the boxes in the PC section for Tomb Raider, and I'd see Legacy of Kane. I look at the games. I just, you know, Mom never let me buy anything. I just memorized box arts for years, and I remember I'd see Gex. I'd see him on some of that stuff because he was their poster child, like in the corner. And I was like, huh, what? What the heck? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it, it, yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, I did the same. I know. I feel like I know box some more box art than the games I actually played. Oh yeah. But like speaking about the box art, I do want to touch upon it for a second because I uh, before we started recording, you did bring it up, and you're right. Um, the box art's interesting, not because it's just like Gex like leaning against a wall with its sunglasses, looking like I'm I have tooed, but behind him is an effing like just CD, a blank CD. Yes, and I you know if you look at it it makes you wonder what is this game like it does you know is it is he a it doesn't sell the game at all like this is like the only thing it sells is the character of Gex I would say that yeah it sells Gex but it's also a subtle product placement for the 3DO saying hey we got CDs yeah yeah because that was a whole big thing about the 3DO right yeah that's right because the whole like we oh we can play games on CDs like which yeah, was, that was the whole thing for them, and so they they really were like you know trying to milk that tea. It oh God, it is such a oh man, this game already has just been boggling my mind. But uh, enough about the development, and enough about like a little bit of this. Let's actually talk about the game itself. Uh, which, my favorite part, yes. Which uh, well, the game itself, and also like I mean before. Or even, like, the story. I mean, we kind of even went over the story. Like, there's not that much story to this game. Like, the video clip that, uh, the audio clip I sh- uh, sh- played at the very beginning of the game, uh, the podcast, that's it. That's all the story yes, you fucking get. Yeah, in between the levels, in between the levels, there is no, like, cutscenes. There's nothing. It's just, you know, you're just basically just unlocking new worlds. And it's so different. And I think that's another thing we'll talk about. I'm sure we'll talk about here soon is that it's not your traditional platformer in the sense of, you know, just get to completion. Gex, in order to advance, you actually had to search the level that's and right. find the secrets. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Cause it was, yeah, yeah it's, it's, yeah, that was a, uh, there are a couple of things too. Like, yeah, well, you know, I, in you know so for gex you start off in this game and the first level you go to is a graveyard yeah great which like, here's it's, the thing graveyard's a terrible first level it really because it's, it's not a bad theme for a platformer in fact it's very unique but yeah like you don't want to start your game unless you're like a medieval type stuff where it's like horror is kind of the theme of this game 
but at the same time, it's like you're 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 showing that KA rating, you know, we're and edgy. You're, you're bragging about it, and we're, you know you. Put, oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, you're fine. And it's just you know, it's just like we're we're mature kids, you know, we're mature over here. You think Sonic the Hedgehog is too lame? Well, guess what? Gex is here to show you. He's the '90s platformers we all deserve, and we could, we start in a graveyard, motherfuckers. <laughs> the thing about Gex, and here's the here's the crazy thing: after all the things we've talked about it already, just about the development, just how it is. If you pick up that game and play it, I cannot put the controller down through the first two worlds. I can see. I was it. having such incredible fun because the platformer itself, if you break it down to the basics, it is an extremely solid, very solid side scroller. You know, yeah. if you just bullet down to the basics. I would discover that. I mean, not discover that. I would agree with that to a certain extent. I do have my issues with the game. I do think it is a good platform. In fact, it's very. I can see why it did succeed in the '90s because it would be a game that I would. A door if i actually did play it um well i mean in that's time, in, in that time frame but also like the control it was a very unique because it's a mix of the game that i do hear this a lot and i get i do see it is the first rayman game that you know that is a comparison a lot of people have made to gex that is a very common one because rayman was you know rayman's really the the child that took off out of that whole batch you know yeah, of it like was the, yeah, yeah, out of uh, just kind of the obs- no, I will, I'll call them obscure just for the sake of bashing them together. But yeah. you're non, you're non like homed platformers, you know, like just independent, you know, not with Nintendo, not with Sega, you know. And I think that with Gex too, it's like yes, it had a lot. That's the thing. It's like they had a lot of pressure. But here's the thing: those developers were all from Sega. A lot of them had worked on a lot of platformers for Sega. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah, because it's like I'm pre- like again, and it's not uncommon. It still happens today. Like when a, an end of a project, a lot of companies just let go of their that staff and they just find other work elsewhere at other studios. Yeah. Like it's so it's not really that uncommon. Well, especially but, back then too. Oh yeah, like, especially back it was then. Really different world. Yeah. Yeah, it it was still it was still like a a, a market. It's it was a, a industry that people didn't really take a hundred percent seriously. Like it was definitely still viewed for just children. Um, but I mean, I talked about it many a times here. Like it, it definitely has grown since then. I mean, who knows? But I mean, not who knows. But we still have our issues. But I digress. The like, but no, like I do like it, I compare it to Rayman, which I think even came out around the, the same time frame. Rayman is awesome. And I, yes, I, it, it did. It came out very close to this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like it, they don't they're not complete ripoffs of each other. Right? They definitely do try different things, but it definitely have a lot of similarities because they're definitely difficult platformers like Mario and Sonic has definitely have like a, a a learning curve. Like they're definitely like the hardest levels are definitely more towards the end of their respective games with Gex and Rayman. They kind of almost they do get harder, but they always are pretty much challenging. Like they're meant to be challenging. Yeah, they are classic. Like they are very classic Streets of Rage two. Yes, you know, very difficult. Like you have to practice because, like, I'm not gonna lie. I uh, looked up some codes when I played. Got my Infinity Lives because it's Good. impossible. Like if you're, you know, I, I, you're sitting there, and I'd be in the graveyard still because there are just some levels where. 
you know, you're trying to run uphill, your gecko sliding downhill, you got tomatoes coming at you, you can't hit them with your tail, you don't have power-ups, like, yeah. it's hard. And you yeah. have to stagger in between them, and it's just, whew. Part of me, like, thinks it is the level design. I do think the level design is actually pretty decent. My, But I do think some of that the, those issues is, I do think the camera is a little too zoom in. Yes, it is. It is. There's a boss fight in the second world. You fight. Is it, is it that worm? No, it's, I kid you not, it's not the worm. His name is the Flatulator. Okay, I know who you're talking about. He's a superhero who drinks beer and farts at you. Oh, and God. you have to dodge him while he's farting at you. And then after the fourth rotation of where he's on the ground charging you, he takes to the sky. You have to climb up to the wall and drop anvils on him. But here's the that's, thing, the anvils right, are in right. different places, and you have to line him up. And that fight, the camera, you can't get the whole entire scene in the camera. And so you have to, like, just time it. You have to listen for the fart. Because if you use your eyes, you're going to get hit. That's right. Oh, my God. I, I completely forgot about that fight. Because the one that bothered me the most, I don't even know the boss's name, but it was that worm. Like, you don't even really fight it. You just climb up a wall. But since the camera is uh -huh. so, so zoomed in and the worm goes in range, like, there's not a pattern. It's just, it, it, the, the worm just follows you and just tries to hit you. And the, with the controls of the game, it, it's just, it, it makes like something that's honestly would have been so easy or like just seems kind of mindless. So much difficult, like just so more, like more difficult that it really didn't even need to be. And it's not even like clever design. It's just kind of cheap. And th that's like one of my big issues with this game is this game is kind of cheap. Like a lot of the deaths you're going to have some of it is going to be your fault but there's a good number that like it's the game just you're going to fall into endless pits because yeah. of the camera or you're just there's a lot of cheap enemy placement and yeah there there is some you're absolutely right and you can definitely tell that you know they had an idea like okay so let's compare graveyard right yes. the graveyard that first levels of graveyard i they were so much harder than the TV world to me because that's the order I went. I went graveyard TV because I only played through the first two levels recently. It's been a while for the last two, so I yeah, don't really I, have much of an I, opinion. I didn't beat the game but, again. I did. I did beat it like the, like a, a little while ago, like a while ago. But yeah, like I I only got to like I think the second world. Yeah, well. but I think the thing that's very interesting too is that like let's just talk about everything that's in this platformer. Like let's just focus on Gex, what his ability set is. So. If, you know, for y'all that don't know, Gex, you know, he has a couple of abilities. One, he can uh, he can use his tongue very much like Yoshi yes. and absorb different power-ups. And they can either be, they can range from either refilling his life, which his life is actually Gecko Paws. You can get more of those. And you can also get an ice, an electric, a wind, a fire, and an invincibility power-up that he also eats. And so those are scattered around. But here's the thing about those power-ups I have never held a power-up for more than two seconds because as soon as I get them, the developers put enemies literally right on top of them to where you have no choice but to get hit. The, yeah, the only like the only power-up I feel like it's even somewhat effective to that, it's electri the electric power-up because it shoots all, from it all angles. Three, yeah, it gives yeah. you an AOE attack, and it's like you're actually able to spray the screen, whereas fire, like, it took me, like, 15 times, and I'm just, I realized that it's just, this is one of those games where it's physical memory, because I knew exactly where to shoot. I was, they were off camera. Yes. Like, because that's how this game is. You could shoot your fireball, run, the fireball continues to go, and it would hit the enemy in the face, who's not even spawned yet. 
So like, you know, you, it's really just a matter of timing. It's just one of, you know, just like normal platformers, right? You play any of them, it always is a timing element. Yeah. But, but for Gex, the timing is based around really interesting, like, placement of enemies and really weird world design. Like, I find myself going, you know, you like I said, Gex is weird because you want to go linear, naturally, left yeah. or right. But then you find yourself going backwards and taking portals and going up and down and all around. And yeah. you're just like, where the hell am I? Yeah, because it, it's definitely, I don't want to use the term Metrovania, but it gets near there. It definitely <laughs> Metrovania. That's really good. I like that. Yeah, like it. It because I have used it already a couple times on the show, but it it does almost go there because it's like you do back travel. You do actually climb up walls up and down because of uh, the his I, the gecko powers because he gets yeah. the he can climb because he's a gecko. I will say that that is my favorite ability, and that's the that's the one that I'm like I wish there were more games. And there are, you know, there's different mechanics, but like his wall, the wall crawling of Gex is so much fun. Yeah, it, like, it is a lot I've of fun. Like, especially when you can whoop your tail down on enemies, like, and just pop them in the head and kill them. Because apparently your tail will kill anything, you know, even fire, that's shooting fire at you. As long as you hit it, you're fine. Yeah, it's, it's, a, God dang, yeah. I, I did like, I like the climbing ability. A lot like it definitely was probably one of my favorite assets of his uh move set but speaking about move set i'm kind of shocked we haven't talked about it yet i do want to talk about the controls a little bit because it's very weird <laughs> the controls yeah, of this game crazy. so i don't have issues with like actually the control layout like i actually think how it is is actually pretty fine my issue with the controls is how gex feels and how he's kind of it feels heavy way heavier than he really should be well, and I think it's because he has too many abilities. I think it's because he has too many things he can do. And that sounds crazy, but he has a Yoshi ability. He has a ground pound. He has his leg attack. He has a side attack. You know, he has a lot of different attacks. He also has to run fast. That's right, you know, he does. to get over certain jumps. Yep, and then you just, there's a lot of timing elements. And so, you know, I found myself when I was playing using, like, every button on that sega saturn controller because that's how i replayed it i found myself using all the buttons like and i'd forget half the time because i have four buttons you know one's the l because if you hold down l on the on the controller he runs faster that's, yes. how, that's how he does it i believe a is lick b is jump and c is tail if i'm not mistaken that's so, i mean that sounds pretty spot on like I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna challenge you on that <laughs> no i think that's right i think i just played it so i'm pretty sure that's right and i do agree with that troy i do agree that i feel like it's very clunky like i find myself like in levels because of the clunkiness just being like my old half-ass cheaty self and i just do the ground pound where his tail curls up and i just hit enemies because you could do that forever and just hit enemies and bounce to the level bong bong Bong, bong. Yeah, well, and that's another thing that's so weird to me. It's like, like I like the bouncing ability. I think the bouncing ability is cool, but that's your only way to kill enemies on stomping them. You can't just regularly stomp the enemies because if you do, you take a hit, which in platform logic makes no fucking sense. Because like, if you're going yeah. from like a Mario and Sonic, it's like, what? You have to exactly. do an extra command just to kill an enemy from just jumping on them. Which yeah, is exactly so clunky. Yeah, you have to tell swipe. You can't just jump him because then you're hurt. You're like, no, I'm just gonna have you have to time it with your tail. And the quadratics of these enemies, like for example, the one that was the most annoying 
is the graveyard level and it's those damn tomatoes. Oh yeah. So they put mean- these like evil demonic tomatoes and like I was saying, you're it's like this one scene where you're just going uphill. You're going uphill like crazy. And there is about ten of these things hopping down the hill. And you're just like and then behind you you have the skull shooting out of the stump and you're like, Oh, I can use it. Those are worthless because the angles these things jump never hit an angle where you can hit them with the skull. Ever. Because they're jumping so high off of the enclave, they literally land on top of it. And so you can't do that. It's just, it's uh, it's very frustrating. When I was a kid, I don't think I ever got past it. I think that that was one of the parts as a child where I my frustrations took over. So I think, because I only played this twice, actually. Uh, recently to kind of like refresh the game when you suggested this game. But I think I did play it like years ago. It was on the and I believe it's still on the PlayStation Network, like for the PS3 when they re-released all the games. Like they released a lot of games on the PS1 as PS1 classics. That's how I played the first Gex game uh, was on that. And I believe I did beat it because I do remember the final boss with Rez. But I also did watch some walk through like walkthroughs to kind of take some notes and kind of see like more of the world design. But I do remember that boss fight because that was the only most that was only the boss fight I feel like actually was good. But we'll talk about it here in a second. But it's yeah, like I this game is so weird because it's like we make it sound like it's a hard, like, oh, man, this is takes forever to be like, not really. It's just kind of cheap. It's like if you really stick with it, you could technically beat this game in three hours. Oh, but, yeah, you could definitely get on track. I mean, if I wouldn't have been exhausted last night, I could have beaten it. But I was just I get like, it. oh, man, I can't. <laughs> no, I completely like, get it. I just got through TV land, and I had to listen to so many freaking pop culture references. I was like, I don't know if I can handle the Here's jungle land. Johnny. Well, as soon as we got the jungle land, it got kind of racy because it was just a bunch of tribal chants. It was oh, like, I was oh, like, oh, God, that's right. I, I completely I completely forgot about that. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, and it got real racy real quick, and I was like, oof. Oh, man. Yeah, the 90s were like, ugh, man. A, a different time. And that's another thing, too. I felt found myself feeling uncomfortable playing Gex I, because of some of the things he said. And it blew my mind. I'm like, my God, this game did not age well. It, it has not. Like, I mean, but it's weird because that is sort of the charm is the fact that this game has not aged well. But still, I yeah, it's... Uh, so Gex's voice, I think we we already mentioned, or if we have not, Gex is voiced by Dana Gould, who is a comedian, who was also a writer on The Simpsons during, like, the golden era. So, like, you know, he's, like, respected in his field at the time, and his performance as Gex actually isn't my issue. I actually like his portrayal of Gex. Like, that actually is kind of like, I imagine how this Gecko sounds. Oh, yeah. It's the oh, writing yeah. that's the different story. Like, the writing is the different story. Uh, he spits so many 90s references. It's not even, like, 90s references. Like, yeah, like, he referenced Elvis Presley's death. Or he re- referenced... Yeah. He referenced Scooby-Doo, which I know, like, Scooby-Doo has never really not be- been relevant in a way. But at the same time, like, in the 90s, like, it's like, oh, Scoob, let's go to the mystery van again. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, no, what game like am I every- playing? <laughs> No, exactly. Every time you lose a level or you go back to the main like graveyard world, it'll be like, "Hey, Scoob, let's get to the mystery van." Yeah, there you go. That was the no. one. Uh, there was the one like it's just like something like he goes, "Here's Johnny." Like a lot like in the graveyard. 
there's like one that he literally says almost like every other time and it just makes me want to punch him in the face just because it's like shut the fuck up <laughs> oh god I, 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 I don't know if it's here's johnny or it's like oh i I've, i should have wrote all these catchphrases down um actually i did pull up some of the catchphrases i mean the classic one which he doesn't say that much the one that like he's now known for the uh it's tail time he doesn't say as much as you think <laughs> yeah no he, he keeps it very subtle but it's like certain scenarios like there's one where one of my personal favorites he does is when you knock down a TV that's flying, like one of those flying TVs, he goes, oh, so SNL's on, you know, because the, the TV's blowing up and he's making fun of Saturday Night Live. And I'm like, OK, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> it it is. It is. Uh, it is definitely uh, funny here. Yeah, no, but some like let me um let me say some of these cast phrases to you, because some of them is actually clever, but you hear them so much that they they completely got died out. One of my personal favorite ones is that like when he hits like a TV set or he hits an enemy, that's for 12 years of full house. Like, (laughs) which I, in context, I love, but I do know he probably have said that probably more than five times. And it's like, okay, man, shut the fuck up. Um, the one I'm thinking of is that one's for Johnny. Uh, that one happened a lot in the graveland, uh, the graveyard level, but he also does rest in star Trek of go. He's dead. Jim, like there's literally so much pop culture references. It's yeah. He referenced little shop of horrors. He referenced the black Sabbath song, Iron Man, a lot of star Trek, Michael Jackson, like, Oh my God. Like this was such a product of its time. It, I, I kind of like it. I kind of, you know, the more I thought about it, the kind of, I, I kind of like all these ridiculous sayings. It's funny to me. I'm like, all right, as a, you know, as we both are TV buffs to a degree. So it's, it's fun to listen to it, but you wish when you're playing the level over and over, because that's how this game is over, 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 over. He's going to say the same crap every time, every time because of the programming. And so (laughs) it definitely gets old. It's like, you know, the millionth time you've hit that coffin and you hear, sorry, Mr. Presley, you just want to kind of throw the controller at the TV because you're like, I'm just going to have to do this again. Yep. just got, It's it's kind of like its own way of mocking you. And it's like, and it oddly, this wasn't when it died out. Like I've been playing the the Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated uh, remake and it has that same problem. That's one of my big issues with the game is they use the same voice clips over and over again to the point I'm like, I don't want to play this game anymore. Like it's just... Like, they're cle- like, it's clever, like, I don't want to bash the writing too much, because I do think there were some clever puns that they did put in there, but, yeah, definitely, like, the thing that just kills it is the fact that you just hear it over and over and over again, and it's just, you'll definitely remember a lot of these after playing it, I, I will say that at least, but enough about 90s um quotes here i do want to praise the game on one thing that i do think it has it's one of the things that have aged well it's actually the setting of these worlds um they're very unique for platformers they hit like the the trope of like okay we have all kind of a like a graveyard like flash horror theme we have like a tv world like you know they it hits the themes but the the art direction it's very unique 
for a platformer like this. Like I haven't like even in that era and even like today, like I can't tell you how many platforming games I have played that with this unique art style. And it definitely was at least a motivation to see how the rest of the worlds are um, and how yeah. that game plays out, in my opinion. Like, it does go- bring a good motive to see how it all ends. Yeah, it definitely does. Like, Graveyard, you know, is a great example of that. Um, with the moon, if you look at the moon in the graveyard level, it's a, you know, it's a O-face moon. It's like, it looks like a skull. And the background looks really cool. It has different layers of sky, and it's green, and it's, you know, it definitely has that feel. And then when you go to, like, the TV level, the TV level's crazy. So the background, it ha- it looks like the artist from Rocco's Modern Life did it. Yes. It just has that look of 90s animation. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's what I mean. It's like, it's a product of its time, but it takes also the best aspects of why we even still remember this decade so well. Um, like this, this, like the art, the direction of this game is actually like, I would even say probably the best part about this game. Um, because really at the end of the day, it's, it's not, I would consider this game decent, but I wouldn't like recommend it. Like the only reason why I would recommend it today is because you can get it for dirt cheap on the PlayStation store on the PS3. Like I, it's still like only $6, which I think that's fair for this game. But to play it probably like how you did on your Sega Saturn or even play a free DO or the original PlayStation version, like I can only imagine they go up for a lot and it's just not worth it. But it's I I I did enjoy my time with it. I just wouldn't like, you know, think it's worth going out of your way to check it out. Unless you're just yeah. very curious. Yeah, it's definitely one of those it's like anybody who has a love for a platformer should play it. Like, I feel like it's one of those, you know, especially the world design. Yeah. And I, for me, the music, the music yeah. gets me. The music is just a banging track. It is a good soundtrack. I don't like, it's not like, you know, one of my all time favorites, but they definitely take advantage of the fact that it's on a CD because yeah, it definitely sounds really good. <laughs> like, <laughs> Huh? Getting that stereo. Yeah, getting that full lane. We're no longer on mono bit tune, motherfuckers. We're on stereo. Yeah, 90s have two. Gex wears glasses. He's so cool, isn't he? Right, kids? Oh, right at E for everyone. Those are for pussies. It's kids for adults. <laughs> oh, my God. And here's the sad part. I could see that being a commercial in that era. Oh, totally. Oh, my God. But no, the, the world is so cool. Like, there's only five. Yeah, like, there's not a lot of worlds. There's only five worlds. But yeah, like, the Toontown, the Toontown world's the TV world that looks like um the artist from Rock of Modern Life. There's a jungle based theme, but it's very kind of more like Indiana Jones and, and. Yeah, Indiana Jones mixed with like a Contra. Yeah, like, it's almost Gimme Predator vibes at, at some point. Which I was, it's creepy. It's so creepy because, like, I remember I, I ran through. I didn't see any enemies, but the jungle noises. It it paints a very haunting picture. And then there's a kung fu world. Um, the less we said about it, the better. Uh, it's not because it's a bad world. Like the design is pretty, guys. It's just it does. Uh, let's just say, um, like we mentioned before, there's some stuff that doesn't age well, yeah. and uh, there's some stuff in that world that uh, cancel culture will definitely go at it um, to say the yeah. least. Um, and then the final world is a uh, red's topless, which is kind of like this Pope's apocalyptic sci-fi, like Terminator type world. 
like because it's like the headquarters of res which i do want to talk about for a bit because res is an actually like the design of res is a very threatening villain yeah, he's terrifying, dude. I was scared of him as a child. I can see why. Like, I like seeing him as an adult. I'm like, oh, dude, this this is a creepy fucker. Like his teeth alone, it's like, dude. If I just saw that in the in just pure darkness, I would be shitting my pants. And his design, it's like, especially in the 3D games, gets even more disturbing and get more menacing to the point I'm like. He just stole this guy and put him in his TV world for really, as far as we know at this point, for just to mess with him. Like, he's kind of a goofy character. Like, his character traits is kind of goofy, but his look is so menacing. So, do you want to know? Okay, I'm about to make a comparison for you that's going to blow your mind. You ready for this? You ready for this? Yeah, hit me. Okay. The idea, the idea behind Gex's story is that Z, I think his name's Zed, right? What's his name? Z or uh, I uh, try to remember what the bad guy's name was in this Rez, game. Rez, 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 Rez. Okay, so Rez, he pulls Gex into the TV because he wants him to be his like for his media. He wants to use him to be like his poster child, which is really funny. Because Crystal Dynamics yeah. is going through the same shit with Gex being their poster child. And it's basically them fighting themselves. It's it, it's I just kind of pieced those things together just now, but like that it's, it, it's, it's very theory. funny. It's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a conspiracy theory. It's like Gex was always meant to just be a poster child. It's it's like so it's literally social commentary. It's like commentary on literally development of games in this game. Like oh my god, uh, man. We I think we broke the fourth wall. We uh, did, dude. We totally broke it. We broke the shit wide open. Oh my god, absolutely. I could. There's some credit to it, like especially with the rough development this game had. Like you know, like the developers probably were hating this project more and more to the point that I'm like. They would do anything they could just to get away with it. I, I think that they loved making the game. I think they loved making the game. I think they hated the pressure coming from BMG, from their higher ups, because they wanted to make a good game. And these seem like they're smart dudes. They're like, hey, we need more time. And they were told time is not of the essence. Could you imagine what they could have done if they were given like maybe one more year? Or yeah. like maybe six more months to like hash out some stuff and put those additional levels in? Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, like, I, th- that's not what I mean. Like, the, the the game developers hated the game. No, they definitely like, like, making it. They wish they were able to do more. But, yeah, like, they probably was more, like, commentary on the people who were, like, pressuring them because they wanted this yes. game to be out because the 3DO was failing so hard. Um, but I don't, it, it's, it, it, I'm not going to lie. You're, you're on a theory there. I would definitely like to hear more about this, but like I'm like I I wouldn't be surprised if this actually turns out like for whatever reason we just revisit this game like we get the developers of the game for interviews and they kind of confirm like no yeah you got you, that that that's it I'm like holy crud Chris got it first <laughs> yeah world first man oh god you got yeah we got it on tape we got it on tape but. Now, this game is just so fascinating to me because it's such like an enigma of its time. And the fact that we're still talking about it mean it like 
it has succeeded like to a certain like i always like i mean obviously i like to wrap up like always talk about like if the game has aged well or if like is it like would you revisit it and i kind of we kind of have already kind of been hinting at that i do think it is worth a visit because it is such a unique place in the history of just platforming games in general um and it is a decent game at the end of the day it has still aged where it's still playable you can still play it like it's still like you'll have you'll find something in it it's just there was just better games i would recommend like one uh, like uh, the comparison is i think this is like their answer to donkey kong country and it didn't necessarily hit that mark but granted rare rare in the 90s was pure, like spitting out pure fire not even nintendo almost could touch them like that's how fucking good that the, that team was back in the day um but because it, it had that it has like that uh like digitization that they messed with a lot in the 90s of like mortal Kombat especially did it um, but Donkey Kong Country kind of did it as well, where they condensed the 3D models um, into like kind of like, no, I don't want to say two bit, but they definitely like condensed them where it could run in these hardware. But it actually has aged really well, like it actually works in the theme of the worlds and this game. That like even with Donkey Kong Country, a game that I love, you can definitely tell it's it, some some of that uh, assets have not aged well. Where I will at least say with Gex, it it has. <laughs> Exactly. And y- y- exactly. It's one of those things. Like, I think I played Donkey Kong Country a hell of a lot more than I've ever played Gex. I, the thing about Gex that still just gets with me is what could have been. You know, that's the question that kind of keeps on going through my mind, like thinking about this game and playing it and reading about it. You know, it's like, what could have been? Like, if like, the, it, the designers actually got their way, like they actually were able to make the game they wanted to make. Like, I don't think it ever would have saved Panasonic's venture, but I think we would still have concurrent, like, Gexes coming out, probably more realistically on Sony or on yeah. the PlayStation because it's owned by Square Enix now, which is very interesting that, you know, that whole entire studio was bought out by Square. That's and, true, yeah. And th- this is a very interesting note, too. It's something I actually read. So they, Square Enix... That has the rights to Gex, right? That, that's the whole true. entire franchise. They have the whole the whole rights. In 2013, they are they said they would be doing something called the Square Enix Collective, which for basically right out of college programmers or anybody wanting to be, is that we w- we will let you uh, pitch to us developments for Gex, Fear Effect, and that other game, Anachronics. That's right. I completely forgot about this, but you're right. I remember hearing about that like a few years ago. The program began in 2015. So it is now 2025 years. Nothing has come of this from any three of these franchises. That is what I think sums up Gex the most, is that Gex, even now, in 2020, compared to its release in 1994, excuse me, 1995, People are still, there is something there that people like still, and they're hoping to capitalize on it, but. It's kind of hard. It, it's hard. How do you recreate something that was never created right the first time? Yeah, because even like, because they just ran with it, because even with the second and third game, they basically just take what kind of worked with the first game and just ran with it. And 
Yeah, like this is just an interesting game because it is a game that you do wonder like what it would have been if they actually were able to finish the game that they wanted and not, and if it did like you because again this game did not save the free DL like the you know it and it was more associated with Sony because I'm pr- I'm pretty sure the PlayStation version probably sold the most or sold pretty close to the free DL which is still very impressive but like. It would have been interesting. It's like, yeah, like if somehow like Crystal Dynamics just kind of got made a deal with Sony to kind of like save the project or even if Gex would have even got sequels like I, I don't know, like it's because it's not a failure because it still came out with three games and they all did well. It's just like after the third game, it just died because it was such a period of its time. But yeah, and it, again, it, it, in 1999, man, like if you're not. You had to bring your A game in 98, 99, or you were done. That's when things started getting, like, I mean, weed-whacked. <laughs> Banjo-Kazooie, even, I mean, we'd still make fun of it, but, I mean, there's Sonic Adventure was a game a lot of people could see it in high regard in that time. Dude, I love that game. Oh, and, I, love, know, I love that game, too. Like, I, again, one day I will talk about it, but I'm just, like, again, it's just, that. that's what I mean. Don't you, just those two games alone was on the market, and then... Not, the platformers are starting to lose that t- like their their um prominence like they were still like the big boys but they were definitely having good competition like the pc marketplace was definitely booming with like quake and duke nukem like it was starting to get momentum but also like even crystal dynamics themselves went with the soul reaper games like there the game like we were starting to really get more mature and there was more variety out in the market that platformers wasn't just the end all be all. So it's definitely is fascinating. Like I, I don't know. I mean, the fact that this series even lasted as long as it did, it's kind of a miracle of God. Um, And I, and the fact that I even would say it has aged well in some ways, it still blows my mind because everything we have said mostly had hinted that this game should have not aged well at all and it doesn't in some ways but the fact like the graphics still look good the soundtrack it's still a really good soundtrack and even the level design even as cheap and screen crunch as it is it's still fun enough that i do recommend playing it i just don't recommend going out like going arm and a limb to find it you know like that's really all i am saying even to the point i even think a reboot like even like a remake of this could actually do well I would like to see a remaster. I would love to see a remaster of Gex with the original, like the original team putting all the stuff they want to in it, especially with like, you're seeing a lot of this now with COVID, like people doing these independent projects. Yeah. Like do that, get the game where they wanted it and release it like on every platform, like put it on Android, iOS, like get it out there. as like that kind of a game. And then see see if you get a little, you know, because think about it's like how much money would you really be out at that point? Yeah, that's a good because that's another that's one way you could put it. The other way I could think about it, um, I I would think it that way, but also like put it on like the digital, like, you know, eShop, Steam, uh, PlayStation 4 online, Xbox, you know. Yeah, yeah. Put it as like an online only release and only sell it for like maybe like no more than $20. Like, if you do, like, the graphical upgrades and stuff like that. Like, no more than 20 bucks. Like, I, honestly, 15 20 it's probably going to be your max there. But that's definitely one way to put it. Or remake all three of the games, like a Spiral and Crash trilogy. 
And oh, that would, that would be dope. A Gex trilogy. I see what you're saying. That yeah. would be really cool. I'd the, like that. The only reason why I don't see that working as well is because the first one is so different from the other two. Because the other two go 3D, and this one's the only 2D one. So that's the only reason why I can see him kind of being a little hesitant. But I even do see like the online one because also just throw yeah throw in all like the because these priced hopefully granted it could be lost media they could have like at least some of the concept art of these lost levels and just like you know let them make it like just make them like let not or even not even like the original developer like or even like get a team in Crystal Dynamics or Square Enix to do this like I, I could see it work I would definitely question a lot of the probably redo a lot of the writing for the cat's phrases um and make them more i don't even want to say like more there the thing that's like they probably would make it just more 2000 uh the 2010s and today's of just like you know social media craves like i can easily see gex taking a fucking selfie in front of like yeah. the, like the, i could totally see him that route and I feel like you're just creating more of like non-timeless, but at the same time, that's kind of been Gex's MO. It's he's not really meant to be timeless. He's just a product of his own time. And, you know, if that's what it takes for this game to be made, so be it. Yeah, what you do is you get Ben Schwartz to voice it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you Sonic get ben the Hedgehog. <laughs> you get Sonic's voice to voice this guy. Make him more like John Ralphio. Way more like John Ralphio. Oh my God, he is and a John I Ralphio. Yes, and then you have that. That's the attitude of Gex, right? That he is, is. Totally attitude. Or is he? Or uh, Tom Hack? He did. Yeah, because they're like those. Like, yeah, he is a John Raphael because he got, does come from money. They do eventually yeah. mention it in the other games. He just, yeah, he just has tons of money. He just watches TV all day. Like, you know, he sits in that empty ass mansion all by himself, which is really funny. You know, given like the Parks and Rec like thing they just did, but yeah, like that attitude and all of that—that's Gex. That's totally him because he doesn't give a shit. He just wants to get back to watching TV. That's 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 his whole motivation. That's it's literally like, his character motivation. All, I want to watch TV. Like the, that's it. Yeah, like the fact that this character have aged. Like we're still talking about. Uh, granted, it's a lot of memes. Like, but memes do oh, have power. God. Memes, I do think, keep these characters alive because. They're so dated, but that's kind of the charm of it. And I think you can work with it. Like, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Um, I do. I could see it happening because like Crash and Spyro remake. I mean, we're getting a, cra a Crash 4. Like, and I mean, we still have those rumored Mario 3D remasters that could be happening. And then that, that rumor Sonic Adventure remake that's been in the work, like been apparently in the works. Um, and we just got fucking battle for bikini bottom rehydrated. Like I do see this happening. I just don't know if it's going to be like, you know, anytime soon. I see that project that probably started in 2015. It, either it's like, it's almost done or it's canceled. <laughs> yeah, no. And there's a lot of other games that I would prefer to get knocked up on that list or moved up. Oh yeah. That kind of a treatment. But I, 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 I think that there's something there, and I think that's why Square has never closed the door on those franchises, including Gex. It's because they know that if there's gold there if someone's just willing to put in the work. But it, I, you're also, you know, it's just 
platformers aren't in the same spot they were back in the mid 90s so they're getting back to like they're relevant again but i mean they're never going to be back to where the 90s where they were the king of the world i mean now it's like platformers are falling more into the first person shooter genre which is really weird like i find myself doing more platform gaming in fps than actual platformer well because i i mean i have been saying i mean with the retro revival obviously with the 2d side scroller helps a lot but the fact now that like the 3d renaissance 3d renaissance that we're back with uh even though it's like i know it's kind of a mixed game but ukulele did help it with that the fact that it was a lot of the same team that did banjo kazooie a hat in time which was another kickstarter game that was really well like really well done i i'm i love that game and of course uh with odyssey being one of the most successful mario games in the longest time that isn't like a spinoff and the fact that sonic is still kicking it's like you know like there's still there is a market and and crash and spiral being the juggernauts now again this is the time i can see them doing it but i just don't know if it will happen but those are the routes i would take if they do do it and i hope they do but again granted there is other characters that they do bring back i kind of prefer if they did but i wouldn't be opposed to a gex trilogy remake <laughs> do you think that um yes platformers have is have very little margin for error now than they did in the 90s like you don't really hear about bad platformers anymore they're, like, no, they're, so. they're still out there bubsy still is out there we we brought back bubsy and uh those games still suck <laughs> Uh, that's very true there there are i mean there's also the shovelware like like that's why it's like it's weird because it's like there of course there are because there's always the shovelware that just gets on the eShop or steam that's like dirt cheap but there clearly no effort was put into them but i mean again like i don't want to i don't want to talk about it too much because it definitely i do i'm going to mention it in a future episode but the battle for bikini bottom rehydrated i definitely have some thoughts with it and it definitely goes into that argument to say the least um but to at least answer your question, I do think there is still a margin and error. But the games that like truly, like truly succeed, are the ones that really deserve it. Like Hat and Time did really well. The fact that like you know that game actually, I think that game sold over a million units, which is you know really good for a kickstarted game. Yeah, uh, for real. Like, especially, like, with the whole trash fire that Kickstarter has for most of the games. Like, the only other game I could really think that was successful was Shovel Knight. Like, all the other games were, like, very lukewarm at best or uh, Mighty Number no. 9. Um, yes. So, but, and also, like, Mario Odyssey, like, brought back interest of the 3D, like, the true sandbox 3D platformer games from the, that series. And the fact that there's even been talk of a remake of Sonic Adventure, I think proves that there like i don't know to me there is more than an error because that's just what anything in gaming but i do think the ones that really do deserve all the success does get the attention or at least get those numbers that that studio could make other projects i know that's a weird answer but like that's all i got because i also don't want to get into it too too much because i do yeah i have that plan for another episode here in the future but I, it's a great question because I do think we're in sort of a renaissance with the plat the genre, but you know, yeah, definitely. And we're looking at a and what we're looking at is a relic right now in the in the uh, in this world is like we're looking at a true relic. We're looking at a game that you know was had all the pieces there. It had all the pieces there. 
you know, but it just came up short. It came up short. It never hit that Donkey Kong Country level. It never hit that even SpongeBob level of games. Yeah. You know, like it just, we're looking at one that really, when you play it, people ask themselves all the time, what happened to Gex? It's like one of the most common Google things. It's like and with it's Croc. Like, well, it's like Croc the, with the Legend of the Gabos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, well, this is what happened to Gex. It, it's just that, you know, it never made it never made the leap into the millennium. That's yeah. what happened. It never yeah, could like bridge over. Yep. Yeah, because I think Gex three literally ended at the two thousand. Like it, it, Bro, didn't... it came out on my birthday in nineteen ninety nine. No. Yep, ninety nine. Oh my god. Yeah, it never made it into it. Never made it into the millennium, and so you know that that's another good way to put it this is a pre-millennium platformer it, it, it is so perfect because it is such an era of the 90s like i i don't know the get like the what all the last thing i would say about this game is it didn't succeed to the way i think you and me wanted it to be because they had they had a lot of potential there and i do think the other games in the series actually do get better but still, like, it is very curious to see what would this first game would have been if they actually was able to make it the way it did. And they, it didn't do the numbers of, like, you know, a Donkey Kong Country or a Sonic. But the fact that this game even succeeded in some way still, the fact that it sold over a million units on a dying console and it got two other sequels that did better, it's just, like, honestly... It, 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 it's it's just a game that it's it's just a like it's a era of its time like it like the only reason why it probably even did well is because the character was so 90s it hurts and yeah. it it's i wanted more to this because the first game especially replaying it now definitely had a lot of potential especially with the art direction it just got came up short and again like the controls and stuff i wouldn't be surprised if that's just because of the rust development like there's just yeah like it, it's to, the fact to me that this game even succeeded still blows my mind but it definitely makes me wonder like what if this game actually was able to make what what it, they wanted to do like what it actually had more charm than just the it's so 90s it hurts vibe that it has like would it go down a conquer path you know what i'm saying yeah like self-awareness like self awareness, but actually like really like tongue in cheek and stuff like that. It's because I yeah I would really love to see like a Gex style game that's like Conquer, where it's like really funny. Like you go in like Conquer's Bad Fur Day is very similar to like the first Gex in the sense where the different worlds you have to go to and different themes, but you know obviously missing missing the British humor. But this game has the American pop culture humor, which is damn near near the same thing. So pretty much I, I, there was it, I just, you know, again, it's the game that what could have been. It's the only way to say it. I can sit here and tell you all these cool things I think they could have done. But, you know, it's just a game that never just it, it's like Matthew McConaughey and failure <laughs> to launch. Right. Like it just never happened. Hey, it could have a, it could have the Renaissance. It could have the Mechanissance. Like it could have the Gekasans. Who fucking knows? I mean, point? dude, they just remade Final Fantasy VII, and I hear they're working on all bunch of other freaking cool remakes. And Square's about to announce a whole bunch of new projects. So who knows? We could be right on the cusp of uh, seeing some Gex activity, but who knows? Who knows? It's yeah. Who who knows at this point? But I mean, I'm I'm glad I revisit it. I again, I do think it's 
worth the view, uh, worth the play if you're very curious, especially if you're loving of the genre of platformer, especially 2D. But definitely um, get it if you have a PS3 or PSP. I definitely would recommend just getting that version, just because it is the cheapest and the most accessible. Uh, but if you're able, if you want to play it, you know, uh, it's you know, you could definitely go to eBay for the you know the 3DL version and stuff like that. But I'm so glad I got you on the episode today, Chris. This was really fun. I'm excited. I was very happy to just like when you suggested this game, I was like, yes, because normally, again, people would talk about two or three as the one like, no, I want to talk about Gex one. I'm like, yes, that's so much more like the fact that the fact that you played it on the 3D also blows my mind. Yeah, man. It's just one of those things where it's like it's a piece of gaming history. It really is. It. Gex teaches us a lot of things about video games uh, before 2000, right? Like obviously the console battle, like there that that whole underlying thing, and just all the cool things that went with it, with all the bad things. Like you know, it's it is such a cool piece of history. Does it need to be repeated? That is yet to be seen, and that has been a conversation 25 years in the making. That is the impact this game has had. You know, for that time, the door is still open for Gex, but who's going to go for When it really shouldn't be, but, you know, we're so curious. Like, again, yeah, we're very fascinated with this franchise, but I, I'm, I'm just, I definitely do agree, and I'm excited. Like, I was happy I got to talk about this game with you. Hopefully, maybe we might get you back on for the sequels, because I definitely do want to talk about the sequels. That's definitely going to happen. I would love to visit those sequels. I've never played them, but you give me the word, and I will, uh... I will dive in because I, apparently it get the story of Gex, like you said, it really it, starts to take off because apparently like there is a lot of drama between the dad and the mom and NASA. And I'm like, wait, when is NASA getting involved? Yeah. It's such a weird underlining. And again, I don't want to like spoil yeah. it because like, the more on those games, but yeah, this, this franchise, like why I'm more fascinated with this franchise is where it goes after this game. And it's, it's uh it's gonna definitely be a journey, but I would love to have you on there, especially because two was the only game I ever played before revisiting like actually visiting these games. And I only played two for a little bit. So it'd be like actually really me beating these games for the first time. So I'm re- really excited once we go down that rabbit hole. But uh until then, man, is uh is there anywhere like if you want people to follow you or anything you cooking up before we sign off and call it a night here? Um you can follow me on Facebook. I'm not really a socially media active person. However, I do always enjoy conversations. So you can just look me up, Christopher Morton, on Facebook through Troy. Um, don't really have a Twitter or Instagram I really follow. However, um, I do like to play a lot of games on Steam. So if you actually want to find me, Steam is a great place to locate me. Um, right now, playing some really cool games, some real, some you know, some uh, pre-release games. Nice. You know, especially with the Steam sale going on. Oh, God. It's out there pretty cheap, too. So, but yeah, hit me up. I like the live stream Gunfire Reborn right now. It's a really fun uh, first-person shooter from China, which, you know, well, feel free to hop on and talk to me about that. (laughs) I, I, I... I, I definitely want to watch some of these. I definitely want to see some of this because I'm I'm interested at least watching to see how these play. Oh, yeah. And it just, you know, when you talk about and that's what I love. I'm, I love I, if anything, I think I'm closely like to be considered also a video game historian. 
just because like there's so many cool games and when you start playing these games and you know obviously everything's coming out on steam and you know all these new games you start looking at the subtle things that they might have gotten from gex you know and like just some of the one-liners it makes you wonder where people's inspiration came from you could can... it be gex could it be donkey kong i don't know mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of people get some really weird stuff from the more obscure games in history and i think gex falls right in that category i would definitely agree in that too yeah i definitely would say like you never know where influences come from but uh, I would definitely ch- ch- check that out if you if um, if you're interested. I'll definitely will one of these days. But um, and again, if you guys want to follow the show, um, it's uh, up and down and all around on all social media platforms. Um, if you want to get in contact uh, or have any con- uh, questions about the show, I do have an, a Gmail account with this is up and down and around. And um, you can also D- uh, DM me on Instagram or Twitter or at me at Twitter. Those are probably uh, another way for me to respond to you in a quickly fashion. If you have any suggestion on games to pull, uh, for the show or even just topics or or even just tell us how the, how the show's doing. I, I take all feedback and I'm again, this is still a training, you know, test drive and to see what works and that doesn't work. So I appreciate all the feedback for this show and. I thank thanks you guys for sticking with us as long as we have already. I really do appreciate it here. Um, but Chris, I want to thank you. Thank you again for stopping by. This was a lot of fun to talk about and hopefully we'll get you on one of these other days. Uh, maybe for the Gex too. who, who knows at this point. Excellent. And thank you for having me. I've had a blast and I hope to continue talking about <laughs> irrelevant platformers more with you. That that's, that's all I'm about here, but until then everybody got, you know, just, Stay safe, everybody. Stay safe.